This is another Disney podcast production. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Disney podcast. We are officially legal. Episode 21 coming at you. Cheers, everyone. We're officially legal. I don't know if that really makes any sense from a podcast world, but episode 21. I feel like a year from now, we'll look back and be like, episode 21, we just started. (laughs) We were such babies. I know. We're all separate tonight. I don't have Matthew. Oh, that makes me feel that makes me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, Brandon. I I forgot about you. Whew. Oh, yes. man i'm not i haven't seen matthew all week i know it's it's crazy when you like one thing they don't tell you when you get surgery they don't uh they don't want you to be around people all week i didn't know that they didn't tell me that so i'm getting my wisdom teeth taken out tomorrow so excited pretty pretty sure he just didn't want to see me <laughs> but that that excuse worked well shoe fits. <laughs> i love it yep Hey, man, we're skipping housekeeping tonight. We've got a, I mean, it's kind of a special episode. We we have a r- really cool guest tonight, but I want to unpack Brandon's trip. So Brandon, like you had a like staycation at the World of Walt this past week. We did. We had a staycation. Uh, the wife and I decided, well, we got somehow lucky enough to find the cheapest weekend in the month of may to stay at the grand floridian so oh uh we got to stay there for three nights we went over last thursday we got a sweet room we were uh theme park view we started out on the top uh floor of building number nine the room was kind of old and outdated so we called it had two beds that's not really kind of romantic for a stay (laughs) staycation um ideal vacation but not romantic um so we switched rooms and we got moved over to building number eight, which was really cool and uh, stayed at the, on the on the second floor, had a great view of the park right there on the lagoon. Uh, room was super nice and it was great. And so we just had a fun staycation and we ate and drank and it was like we didn't live here. It was fun. It was it was fun to be on vacation again. That's the best. Dude, I bet those I bet those fireworks fused from your room at night were amazing. Oh, right. uh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> okay like um did did you eat uh, like anything at the grand flow i've so never been we there went like to, still um, my... we thought about you the whole time we were there and we would like we said dave <laughs> would hate this um <laughs> uh so <laughs> we got there thursday night we we booked a a reservation for the grand floridian cafe which is like we kind of talked about on this show before um it's it it makes you kind of feel fancy without paying fancy prices. Uh, but we lucked in. We were able to walk up to Narcosis. Now, Narcosis, everything I've heard about it is that it's amazing and it's awesome and the views are great. Well, number three of that is is good. It's um, oh no, it's average. I would say, in my opinion. Oh. Uh, it's very overpriced for what you get. Uh, we had a great experience. It was awesome to do once, but there are many other restaurants, um, at Disney that I would probably go to before that. We went to the California grill two weeks ago 
with some friends and that restaurant hand hand over fist same price point that we're looking at and um that one blows this one out of the water so wow okay um if you've never experienced it's it's cool if there's fireworks it would be an awesome place to watch fireworks during dinner Mm. um but yeah i just thought it was kind of average so we ate there on uh thursday night and then every night we were there we visited the enchanted rose which is the used to be meisner's uh lounge yes yes. um now they've obviously themed it after beauty and the beast so we went there every night it was kind of just a cool little wind down spot where we had a drink and some truffle fries we love that place nice okay so obviously so we're going to skip over news tonight to make some extra special time for our guest but this like randomly lined up perfectly with Walt Disney World um, pulling the mask mandate outdoors in yeah. the parks, and it just lined up perfectly. So you were there. What was it? So like? we were there. So we we went to Magic Kingdom on Friday, and they still had a mask mandate. Uh, so that was normal. And then when we were actually at the Enchanted Rose on Friday night, we got the alert on the My Disney Experience app that said, we've updated our health and safety policies. Um, So we went on Saturday. I just happened to be, I don't know how, but I just happened to be able to grab a reservation on Friday night for Saturday uh, for Magic Kingdom. And we went and it was amazing. Like, you forget how nice it is to walk by somebody outside and smile at them and be able to see them (laughs) smile back at you. Yeah. so it was it was just nice. I mean, it wasn't a burden at all to put the mask on to go inside a shop or uh, you know, go on a an attraction. It's it's the same thing you do in the real world, right? If you're outside walking in the grocery store parking lot, you don't put on the mask. When you walk in the front door, you put it on. So it was yeah, nothing yeah. different than we do in real life, but it was super nice just to see people. We talked to a lot of cast members that were just super excited to be able to see people's faces again. Um so, yeah, there were a lot of smiley cast members I could see through their mask. They are itching, obviously, to get theirs off. Sure, yeah. Um, a lot of the restaurants, you know, they did away with the face shield uh, and were just on the mask. So I think it's, depending on where they work, it's a, it's a personal choice if they want to get rid of that, that face mask. But it's coming. I imagine it has something to do with the unions and the rules that they have to go through before they can right. ditch those things. But it was nice. It made the park feel a little bit more normal. Brilliant. I, I will say we'll have to... In a, in a few episodes down the road, we'll, we'll have to look intently and watch the rumors as they begin to unfold. But the next time that we're all going to be together at the parks is for the 50th. And so now that this has happened outside, I mean, obviously, they were still doing some physical distancing. But I mean, the fact that this happened in May, and yeah. they've got till October, you know, I, I'm, I'm, even more cautiously optimistic of what they could whip together to try to provide some kind of wow for the 50th. But who who knows? I mean, it's like I didn't see this coming, especially not that quick. And so who knows? I mean, maybe there'll be fireworks happening even before then. Who who knows? Like, I mean, at this point, like, I feel like the timetable's way off, you know, especially when they announced Boobash and they were like, the, like masks are going to be required throughout the whole event yeah. you know, on all the track, you know? And so now that like that's gone out the window two weeks later, a week later, uh, uh, uh fingers crossed, man, fingers yeah. crossed. And we did talk to one cast member who put it very accurately. And she said, Disney likes to be 
ahead of the game or tie. So basically they don't want to be last to do anything. So obviously Universal and SeaWorld, they dropped their mask mandates. So Disney was not going to fall behind in that. So, you know, I would say keep your eye on the other parks if you start seeing fireworks. I mean, SeaWorld's had fireworks since last fall, I think. Um, But if you start seeing Universal do fireworks again, that may be a good uh, precursor to Disney bringing back nighttime spectacular. So here we go. Here we go. Cautiously optimistic that by 4th of July, I hope to see some sort of fireworks in the sky. Ooh, that's a good, it's a good marker. Be interesting to see where we are. Well, Brandon, that's super cool. I know that I am jealous. I would love to be down there. So, um, but we have things to do today. We're really excited to have our next guest on. So let's go. Well, I had the privilege of connecting with Keith on yet again Clubhouse. I feel like that's a gold mine uh, for connecting with Disney related people uh, for sure. And so um, I don't want to ruin anything about who you are or what kind of your specialty is when it comes to Disney. So, um, Keith, first of all, welcome to the show. We're so glad that you decided to jump in with this madness, not knowing <laughs> these three clowns from anybody. But I, I am honored to have you on, and I just can't wait to hear you unpack some incredible stories. And so your main focus is Disney history or maybe your your main passion. So talk to us a little bit about how did that come about? Why why did you choose that route when it came to Disney? Well, first I want to say that the honor is mine. Second, I want to say uh, any friend of young Dave is a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> when I was born, um, my mom in her uh, infinite wisdom decided to take me to Disneyland because she grew up going to Disneyland. Uh, we're a Bay Area family, and she was lucky enough to go there with her brother um, a month after it opened, and they went probably you know as often as they could, maybe like every summer, maybe they took a summer off. And when I was my brother and I were born, uh, he's a few years older than me, she took us. So it's basically just been a part of my life forever, since I, I, my first memories are pro- probably in Disneyland. And... I've always been a writer, so I kept those separate for the longest time, and it wasn't until 2011 that I decided, hey, wait a second, I love Disney and I love writing. So um, I created a Disney blog, and uh, I did it for about six months on my own, but then I I guess I started catching the attention of other blogs and websites and entities, and they were like, hey, you should write for us. So it sort of branched off from there. So. Um, I don't really update my blog anymore, but I still occasionally write for uh, some websites. Um, the one I write for the most now is probably the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. Excellent. Incredible. Been there. Quite the fan. Yes, me as well. <laughs> okay. Well, we spend a lot of time on our show um, talking about parks, going to the parks, unpacking park news if you if you follow our other show we also spend some time blowing up childhood childhood memories in parks and reimagineering what we would put there in place and so since we spend so much time in the parks let's talk about that because i know that you've been to a few and so first of all like what part what disney parks around the world have you been to or or when it comes to them how many have you been to um i have been to every park in the world and 
before COVID, I was lucky enough to be a pass holder to Disneyland in Anaheim, Walt Disney World in Florida, uh, Disneyland Paris, and Hong Kong Disneyland. Wow. Wow. But, but then COVID came, so now I, I only have a pass to Florida because that was the only one I could get back. Uh, I hope to get the Hong Kong one back as soon as I can get out there again. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. 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 So you're just like me and can't get a reservation to get in, even though you have a pass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's Brandon tough. lives about 10 minutes from Magic Kingdom, and oh, it's wow, like cool. uh, hit or miss when he can get a pass. <laughs> it is <laughs> or a reservation. It is indeed. I'm just waiting like a – remember that old school game of um, jump rope where they're they're doing the ropes and you're just like waiting your turn to jump in? That's, that's me in the international parks. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get out there, so – yeah. Uh, I think go- that's us in California, yeah. right, guys? Like, I mean, we're, dying. Yeah. we're like, as soon as they open it up. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. You know. I love yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I love park, obviously, and um, uh, each one has its own uh, unique charm. Uh, there's special, something special about each one. And so, yeah, it's, it's good to experience all of them because then you get to sort of compare and contrast. And I have favorites, of course, but um, they're all well worth visiting, obviously. Yeah. So what's your favorite international park is that a fair question or is that too hard no it's not too hard um well it's kind of hard so uh in terms of quality wise it's really really hard to overlook tokyo tokyo disneyland and tokyo disney sea tokyo disney resort oh. is the best resort in the world um although that said I, I have a real strong affinity for hong kong disneyland it's such a small charming park it's home to one of the best rides Disney's ever done. So I guess it is harder to sort of pick one. Um, so I can say Hong Kong is probably the most special to me, but Tokyo Disney Sea is maybe yeah. the best themed park on the planet. That literally looks like out of a movie. It, I mean, it, like ever I watch videos, I'm like, how is that place even real? How did they dream? And then of course, right. Being right there on real water. I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, it's an incredible park. Incredible. It's okay. Solid. So speaking of attractions, certainly you've ridden, experienced, viewed, whatever the right adjective is when it comes to all of these parks, almost everything that is out there, like in, in a Disney park that still exists. So do you have a favorite? Is that, is it hard to like pick just one? Of course it's hard to pick just one, but like if we encompass the umbrella of everything, can can you definitively say one attraction? Is that possible? So it is hard to pick one, but it's not hard to pick two because I can name two right Fair now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So Carousel of Progress is probably my number one. Uh, if it has an equal in my eyes, that's Mystic Manor in Hong Kong. Oh, oh. incredible. That is, yeah. that is on – because I've been to Disneyland Paris and um, – Florida and California. So those are the parks I've been to. Um, but I would say like Mystic Manor is at the top of my like must ride excited to ride eventually. So I, I'm yeah. very excited about that one for sure. Yeah. And we know that uh, Carousel of Progress is definitely Mr. Dave's favorite ride. And it, it's his favorite attraction for the classic um you know, being a, an original attraction, a classic yeah. attraction. Is that the same pull that it has for you, uh, Keith, or is it? Is there more to it than just that? 
the Carousel of Progress might be the last attraction remaining that has the most history behind it and the most Walt in it. That's yeah. not to say the other ones don't, uh, such as Pirates and Dark Rides and Fantasyland and etc. But um, there's a quote by Admiral Joe Fowler, who was the um, head of construction for both uh, stateside parks, who said that there is more of Walt in the Carousel of Progress than anything we've ever done. And I agree. I feel that. And it's basically like when I ride the Carousel of Progress, I'm hanging out with Walt. And I did something really cheesy that I'm going to tell you guys. You guys could all make fun of me after I leave. Um, <laughs> the, first, the first time I went to the Carousel of Progress, first I went to Disney World. The first thing I did was went to the COP. And uh, I rope dropped the park because I took the red eye. I got there early. I was the only person who made a beeline for the Carousel of Progress. Everyone was going to <laughs> or whatever. That's perfect. But in the front row, there they had these um, the, the, these breaks in the seats for the accommodate wheelchairs. So there was a couple of two seat sections. So I went over to sit one of those in one of those, and one of the seats was broken and it was kind of down already. And I sat down next to it, and I was like, "Okay, that's Walt." watching the show with me and i got goosebumps the entire i got goosebumps now oh, sorry wow. all right <laughs> it was just really cool and it's it's i fully acknowledge it's not an e-ticket attraction it's not shanghai's tron i get it but if you're a disney nerd you can't not love it you know what i mean so yeah i mean it's it's there's just so many unique things about it i mean the fact that i mean it spins and then you know obviously you're feeling that and seeing it inside but you also see it on the outside i mean it feels like it was way ahead of its time right and even still today when you look at it especially on the exterior you're like holy cow that building is moving right you know it's like because when it's not moving in between scenes or not running like it just looks like an ordinary round building. And then the whole thing starts moving. You're like, wait a second. I mean, so that, and I like, I'm still, I think I might be the only person that still loves the cheesy, like nineties, like futuristic ending. I don't, I don't want him to change it. I, I like it just the way that it is. I don't like, I mean, I think it just adds the cheese factor. And to me, I'm like, like, I, I mean, I personally think we could, we could have a long discussion about how Tomorrowland is really, Yesterland or Yesterworld or whatever you want to call it now. I mean, it really doesn't feel as futuristic, certainly as as it was the intention when they, you know, opened Walt Disney World. But different conversations for a different day. But I I, I would love to, I mean, I would love to experience that attraction like with an Imagineer, with like somebody who was around when it was uh, like it was on the team designing some aspect of it. Just, just sit next to them and have them share like, yeah, this is, I mean, I could just imagine being in like the ear of somebody who was a part of that, like coming to life. And then, so, so speaking of that and that connection with Walt, um, you, you've actually spent a lot of your time like focusing about Walt and learning about Walt. And so a really dumb question would be why? And, and I'm, so I'm not going to ask that because I know why fascinating figure. Uh, I mean, clearly what he's done, not only through like entertainment history, but you're talking cinematic history, animation history. I mean, he's just touched so many different things. So because you've spent so much time focusing on him, learning about him, connecting with others that spent, you know, time with him, talk, uh, share a little bit about what that experience has been like as you've studied and met with people and gotten to know, like, Walt. So, 
really quickly, I can touch on what you said in regards to, you know, how I got into Walt specifically. Uh, just from going to Disneyland so often every year, we, we literally went every summer. Um, at a very young age, I was still in grade school, um, I just suddenly had an urge to learn more about the guy whose name was, you know, this park that I went to every year. So I got a little uh, Disney, Walt Disney biography for kids. I wrote a book report about it. And uh, I just was, you know, enamored from the beginning about how fascinating his life was and how he came from like the most humble beginnings and how he just overcame obstacle after obstacle and um, how he just was a pioneer. It was, yeah, one of the greatest creative geniuses of all time. So um, when I started to write for the museum and I started to, you know, meet all these Imagineers and meet people who worked with Walt and I got, you know, I, had, I was lucky enough to have a working relationship with his daughter and I got to hear stories about him directly from her and it was the greatest thrill of my life to write an article and then have her see me at the museum like a week later and say, you know, I really loved your article. You, I, I learned something new, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and she would also sort of add footnotes to a lot of the things I wrote about. And she'd always say like, you know, dad, this and dad, that. And it was just amazing to not hear like, you know, just Walt, but literally hear somebody say dad and referring to Walt Disney. Wow. So I just learned more about him through those people. And also, of course, um, working with other Disney historians, Disney historians who, you know, are like legit, like, you know, they're like professional and I'm like, you know, single A ball, right? These people know everything backwards and forwards and they're sort of like my mentors to me, mentors to me. So just talking to them as well and learning all these things. And it's just, he just was just a fascinating man and he was a complete flawed human. So no, I would never say he's perfect. A lot of people, you know, want to throw these vicious rumors and, and stuff like that. And, you know, but I, those are, you know, irritating, of course, but I will acknowledge that, yeah, I, I, he was a human being. And so I, I learned about some of his flaws too. And I just think that um, because he was so endlessly fascinating, the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. So that's how I just kept snowballing basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely, I mean, that, that gave me chills to like hear you tell the story about hearing her say dad and not Walt. Like that just uh. like, that would just be super cool to hear. And, and I think in that story, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, Walt and some other people that you've gotten to hang out with. And I know we were talking about music and, and composing and things like that. And I know you've hung out a lot with Richard Sherman. So is there maybe a, a story you could tell us about a time you hung out with him and like, what it was like to to hang with him? Yeah, yeah. Um, I won't, but I won't say a lot. Though. I've only hung out with him like two or three times. Um, but uh, <laughs> two or three times, oh, just two or three else in the whole world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, want, I don't want people to think like, oh yeah, you know, we're we're best of buds. Like I, I hung out with the museum a couple of times, and I went to his house once, so that was pretty much it. But, um. So, well, clearly the, the, the coolest time was when I went to his house to interview him because I was in the area and I, he agreed to, uh, he allowed me an interview and I told him I'd be happy to meet him anywhere he'd like because he was accommodating me and, you know, I, I didn't think he'd want like, you know, some guy he only met once or twice at his house. So I said, I'll meet you at any location. Um, and he was like, just come over. Here's my address. And I was like, you got it. So, uh, <laughs> I went to his house and I interviewed him for about maybe about 45 minutes and um, just the just the nicest guy just like you know 
so friendly and and he like you know he, he laughed a lot and he, you know he cracked some jokes and um not i, don't, I didn't have a, a bad thing to say about him and at the end of the you know we were wrapping up he could tell i was running out of questions because um you know i was, I was thinking okay what else can i ask you while i'm still here uh but then at some point he had to go to dinner so he said i uh he said well you know i do have to head to dinner soon with uh elizabeth so we should probably wrap this up. And I said, sure. I said, uh, I do have one quick favor to ask. And I, it wasn't a spur of the moment favor because I brought equipment with me. I said, I have one quick favor to ask you. He was like, he's like, yeah, what is it? And I said, first of all, I said, do you have a piano in your house? And he looked at me and he's like, Keith, I have three pianos in my house. I was like, okay, <laughs> stupid question. <laughs> and I said, I said, the favor is, can I sing there's a great big beautiful tomorrow with you. And can I film it? Stop. And, then, and then he looked at me and he's like, let's go. So oh. he gets up, he leaves the piano. I set up the tripod. I pull out my camera and I, I started recording on my phone. So I have the audio too. And we sang, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. And I could not stop smiling. Even now when you watch the video, I'm singing like this. I'm listening. There's a great big, cause I can't <laughs> wipe the smile off my face. And um, it was one of the best moments of my life. And at the end of it, as I'm breaking down all of the like camera stuff, just the tripod, and I had my little DSLR. But I had my phone on top of his piano that was still recording audio. So even though I stopped filming, it was still recording audio. And, and I'm so glad I did because he said something to me after that. He said, he's sitting there just smiling. And I, I think he had a good time too. And he said, you know what? I haven't done that since... Since, with anybody since Walt, since Walt and Bob, when we all did it together. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Gosh. And he's talking about that famous footage you can see in the queue for Carousel of Progress when they he's, they sang it back in, um, I guess it was 64, uh, with you know Richard and his brother at the piano, and Walt was singing over him, trying to sing along and everything. And that was the last time he sang that song at a piano with somebody prior to that day. And I was just like blown away. Like, man. So, yeah. I'd have been I'll, shook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's incredible. I, I mean, spoiler alert, I knew that story, but I didn't know that last part. Like, I had no idea that, like, that was the last time that he had done, like, that chills. Chills. Yep. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you the video because um, you'll see, like, it cuts to black, but when it cuts to black, um, I put the audio in because, again, I only had it on audio. He didn't say it on camera, so I had to put it over, like, you know, my little ending card or whatever but uh yeah i oh, even yeah. To this day when i watch the video I, I still i'm smiling the whole time watching it it's a trip that's yeah we will put incredible. that in the show notes yes Good. for Good. sure that's amazing Jeez. well keith i have another question for you so tell us a little bit about what was what it was like to work with uh diane and just her legacy and keeping with walt's legacy it was the most amazing experience working with Diane, not only because of, you know, her being able to tell these great stories about her dad, but just the fact that she was such a warm and amazing person in her own right. And she had her own legacy, I felt, with the museum because um, she wanted to create the museum for her dad because she was tired of all the rumors out there and all the false stories. So she wanted to have a, a museum that told her dad's true story and they don't pull any punches. There's some of the bad stuff in there too. Like there's a whole section devoted to the animator strike and there's, um, you know, recreations of the, the 
the picket signs and so you know they didn't gloss over anything and um she wanted there to be like you know uh the real story out there but in doing so you know in honoring his legacy i feel like she created her own legacy because the museum was just so gorgeously done she picked the right people for the job and she oversaw everything and she was just so you know um concerned and um you know uh sort of like a forward you know just she's just very um adamant about you know like the truth being out there about her dad and um she just did an amazing job and she was just so nice and uh like i said always she always had the nicest thing to say and i was really lucky because when i was doing when i was writing for the blog when she was still alive she was in charge of um approving the blog post so i would get feedback anytime i wrote something and it was always so nice and you know she'd say things she didn't have to she could just say like yeah this is correct but she was like I, you know, she said stuff like, I, I look forward to Keith's pieces every single time, and the, this play, this is so nice. And so, like, she didn't have to, to add all that stuff, and she did. And she always was really, like, you know, um, she was very, like, I want to say excitable, but she was, just, you know, really just, like, when she saw somebody at the museum, and, and she, like, clasped her hands together, and she's like, oh, you know, oh, there's one funny story I'll tell you. This, is, this reminds me of this. So... Um, this is another one of those surreal moments for me, I'll tell you guys. Uh, not quite Richard Sherman level, but almost there. I had interviewed Marty Sklar a few times. So um, I knew Marty for maybe like a year or two by this point. And he was at the museum and he was uh, he did a presentation. Then he was signing autographs after the, sh after the presentation. And I wanted to – I had a follow-up question for him uh, from our past interview – and he had given me his card, so all I wanted to do was ask him if the information that I had for him was act, was up to date, because I wanted to follow up with some questions. So uh, I had friends in the museum, of course, so I was just talking to everybody, and they were like, are you going to get, you know, are you going to go talk to Marty? I was like, yeah, but I'll let everybody get their autograph first, because I just have a question. I don't want to take anybody's time. So basically, I waited for the line to go down, and then I got to the back of it. And then once they closed it off, I came up to Marty, and I said, hey, Marty, um, I have a question, blah, 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 and um, uh I said, is this, I pulled out his business card. I said, is this your most recent up-to-date information? And he said, he goes, well, yeah, it is. But he goes, I do have a new email address, so let me give that to you. So he took his card from me and he's writing down his um, new email address on the back. And then Diane comes running over and she's like, oh, Marty, uh, I'm so glad, you know, Keith's here. I want you to meet Keith. He's one of our best writers. And then Marty looks up and he goes, oh, yeah, I know Keith. And he goes back down to writing. And I'm sitting there just like, you know, I got yeah. Diane here, Marty here, and like they're, it was just a trip. I was just, you know, it was one of those like out of body experiences for me. But you know, I had Diane trying to introduce me to Marty Sklar, and Marty Sklar would be like, "Yeah, I know this dude." <laughs> oh <my laughs> We're old friends. We go way back. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, Keith, here's something you don't know about this. We always pick something out of the show for the title of that week's episode, and you just you just said it. This week's this week's title is definitely going to be "Yeah, I know Keith." <laughs> That's absolutely going to be the title. <laughs> I love I it. I love it. I love it. Okay, now, so Matthew and I were super lucky. We took, like, this nerds trip with Ryan, who was back with us when we first started the podcast and can't be on it anymore. Um, nothing bad. And um, we went on, like, this super nerd trip. So we worked – we uh, um, all, like, love technology. Ryan and I worked at Apple at the time, so we wanted to go visit the mothership and do all that. Well, of course, we weren't going to go out there with our passion for – 
Disney and not go to the family museum. So we went. So I have I think I have three quick questions that I want to ask you about the museum of three things that stuck out to me. So one. I have a picture. I should have had it handy, but um, I took some picture. There were some very, like, very, very, very early pencil drawings of Mickey that I think it said were done by Walt. They were hanging on the wall. Like, is that true? Are there pencil drawings of Mickey early on that Walt drew? Um, yes and no. So there... There's the first known drawing of Mickey Mouse in the museum, the earliest mm-hmm. known drawing. Uh, and it was a collaboration between um, Walt and Ub uh, and yeah. um, a third person who I'm completely blanking right now. It'll probably come to me after this, this is over. Uh, and I don't believe they know specifically who did the drawing. If I had to guess, honestly, my honest guess is that particular drawing was probably Ub with Walt's uh, you know, feedback. Approval or whatever, yeah. Yeah, because Walt was the one who came up with the idea of Mickey, and I'm sure he sketched it at some point. I mean, there's some debate as to whether or not the train story is 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 100% true. Uh, whether you know whether or not he actually did on the way home from losing Oswald, you know, going back from uh, you know New York to L.A., if he did come up with like Mickey on that train ride, uh, and I mean. He says he did. Some people are saying that's an exaggeration. Diane tells the story that he did, so uh, and the company does, so we, we go with that. Um, yeah. But I have to think that whenever he did come up with Mickey in his mind, I'm sure he sketched it out. You know what I mean? So, but that drawing that that is on display, um, I I would have to guess that you know Ub probably did most of that. Yeah. Work. Uh- uh, that, that makes sense. Okay. Another one is actually right. It's it's in the kind of. I don't know if this word is right, but the foyer of the museum, you actually can see this without actually having to pay to get in. And so unless they've moved it around, I don't know if it ever it could. I don't know if there's anything in there that rotates and goes in and out sometimes. But you've got the wall with uh, quite a few awards, um, Oscars and and many other things. But then right behind that on the wall, um, there is a like a a lamp or lantern or what it's probably a lamp and then there's two chairs so i i i'm fairly certain that's not the lamp that's like in disneyland that they leave on right is that is that just like a replica but uh, but i've also heard that some of that stuff is from walt's apartment is it like the chairs that are part of it so like i'll just stop asking you probably know <laughs> so um the answer is yes uh that's furniture from the walt's apartment and that lamp was from Walt's apartment, but it wasn't the lamp that was in the window. It was just a different lamp. Oh, okay. So, okay. So in Disneyland, is that lamp that's in the, is that, was that literally the same one that's been there since the last time Walt stepped into that or stepped out of it? Uh, as far as I know, um, I can tell you that the lamp that's at the museum is not the original window lamp. Um, I've only been in Walt's apartment once. And uh, it looked like a lamp of that day. Um, so I can't tell you if it's that the exact same one or if they ended up getting – because you who knows with electronics, right? Like stuff could you know give out on anything. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunately I don't have that information. Um, I'm going to guess yes because they've kept everything in that apartment pretty pristine. Yeah, right? yeah, they've really not touched it. Kind of like what they've done with this office too. So Yeah. So, okay, and then the last question. I, I overheard this and I can't remember where – and I'm hoping I'm going to lead you in the right direction to guess what I'm talking about. So there's a full scale model of Disneyland, like not full, 
that doesn't make any sense. Full scale model would be full scale. <laughs> a full scale model would be. <laughs> yeah, you can go. You can go. It's in San Francisco. Tell your friends. It's a brand new park. <laughs> but like a a two a, a model of all of Disneyland that's in like a glass case, and there was something like they included something in there that wasn't their opening day. Am I am I right on that? Oh yeah, yeah for sure. What what was it? Was it Space Mountain? So okay, you're in luck young Dave, because I know a lot about that model. Oh, good. I interviewed the people who created it. So, uh, yeah. Um, that model is called the Disneyland of Walt's Imagination. That model was never meant to uh, replicate opening day Disneyland. Okay. Uh, that model also, as it exists, doesn't represent any one iteration of Disneyland because there are two attractions in there that, that are next to each other that, that never coexisted in Disneyland. Space Mountain right here, and you have the Carousel of Progress right there. Carousel of Progress left Disneyland um, 73, Space Mountain opened in 77. So right there you know this park never existed. So that basically the model is uh, everything that Walt had a hand in in his lifetime. Okay. The reason that Space Mountain is in there, because Space Mountain opened in 77, Walt died in 65, or 66, I'm sorry. Um, and... Uh, People like what people ask us, like why space? If that's the case, why is Space Mountain here? Well, Walt thought of the idea for Space Mountain, and they first uh, sketched it out. I believe it was John Hench uh, at Walt's behest back in like '64. So Space Mountain was planned originally for the New Tomorrowland in 1967. It didn't make it for various reasons, but yeah, Walt Space Mountain was Walt's idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I remember. I mean, I remember that, but I was like, I remember hearing something about Space Mountain in that particular model. And now that you unpack it all, that that's that the, makes one sense. of the most common questions. We, we get stuff like, you know, why Space Mountain here? Because it's seventy-seven. We get we get stupid stuff like where's Splash Mountain, you know? Um, but yeah, no, that's the reason is that that's the model makers wanted to just have everything that Walt had something to do with. So there's a lot of little Easter eggs in that model. And whenever I go to the museum with people, I rarely give people tours of the galleries because there's just so much to read, so much to listen to. Yeah. I want to take it at their own pace. But once we get to gallery nine, we walk down that ramp. I'm like, all right. And I give them the model talk and I tell them all the Easter eggs. I tell them why this was done. I tell them what some of the stuff was made out of. I tell them how, well, how long it took to create everything they want to know about that model. So, Dude, next time I'm, go I'm going, I'm calling you straight up. It's anytime. <laughs> I love to give you guys the model talk. Oh, and now that I know Walt had a hand in Space Mountain, I feel super bad that I demolished it last time in, <laughs> in, in our pick one. <laughs> that makes me feel kind of bad now. Hey, it's a, it's not a living museum, right? Right? It's got something's got to go. <laughs> Love it. So, okay, so here's here's one question. Now, you, you kind of glazed over it really quick. The um, you you talked about having kind of two favorites and so you you've unpacked carousel of progress which totally makes sense i don't love it for the same reasons but and now i love it more because knowing more about the history of it but you also talked about uh mystic manor so yeah. why what like what i mean like what is it about that ride for you that escalates it above everything else um okay there are many facets of an attraction once you're approaching the attraction, you see the facade. Once you 
enter the building, you you enter the queue. Uh, once you wind through the queue, you get to sometimes the pre-show. After you experience the pre-show, you board a ride vehicle. Once you're on the ride vehicle, you experience the traction. When you're experiencing the traction, there is technology, there is a score, and there is a story. And then once the story wraps up, you have a climax or an ending. Everything I just said was done to the tens, basically. They couldn't have done anything better, in my opinion, in that attraction. I mean, not to say that it's perfect, but everything fires on all cylinders. The facade is gorgeous. The queue is awesome. It sets up the story. It, it, it brings in the elements of the, the sea, the society of explorers and adventurers. The pre-show is adorable. I love Albert. I love they, 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 they play some of that amazing theme in there. Danny Elfman killed it. I love the uh, the trackless ride vehicles. I love the fact that not only are they trackless ride vehicles, but they're part of the story. They are designs. They're um, um, what are they called? Mechanical carriages, I think, and they're of Lord Henry Mystic's design. The whole reason you're there is that you're there as a guest of uh, Lord Henry Mystic to look at his antiquities that he's collected over the years, and he's created this magnet magneto carriage, whatever it's called, to show you around. So the ride vehicles are part of the story. Um, the effects are great, the, the score is great, and the ending, the climax of the attraction, which is to say the last two rooms, best ending of any Disney ride, I believe. And so, yeah, fires on every cylinder. Well, that was a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Very succinct. Like, I, I, I would never be able to explain why I love, like, Haunted Mansion so much, other than, like, it's a classic. I love it. <laughs> Now I feel it's like super idiot. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot about it. The music's great, and it's the first ride I get ride when I get to the park. That's all, folks. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's okay. let's um, see if you can see if you can pull a rabbit out of a hat here. So, when it comes to Walt. Obviously, one of the most you know famous figures in American and maybe even international history. You know, you can say that name, and not many people would would not recognize it immediately. So there's you know lots of books written about him, lots of you know stories from Imagineers that have been told, lots of TV programs, movies, you name it. So is is there something that that you can share with us and our audience that is would be considered like little little known about walt is that is that even possible is that a is that a thing because he's such you know such a beloved and you know studied you know person of history so yeah. you got anything for us so i could tell you two things uh one is something that every single disney historian knows but maybe the casual disney fan might not know um and this is sort of lends itself to the whole walt was a human being thing um Walt was very fond of cursing. Uh, so funny. There's, there's, yeah, so Rolly Crump tells this great story about uh, how Walt's favorite word was the, the S word, so to speak. Um, and one day, I don't I don't remember the, the entire story, but um, one day Rolly, who was, you know, a, a painter, uh, he loved, you know, doing painting, um, he wrote the S word on a rock. And it was called the S Rock, and he gave it to to Walt as a gag. <laughs> Walt loved it apparently. Um, there's also supposed to be this one like um, 
I know it exists just from people I've spoken to, but I've never gotten to hear it. So Walt uh, did the narration for uh, the uh, Ford Magic Skyway and the 1964-65 World's Fair. And I believe it was written by Marty. And uh, uh, Marty used, I guess, some bigger words, and Walt was sort of tripping over them. Um, so there's apparently there's this one take. I don't know if you want to call it the, the red band take, but he's reading the line like, you know, you know, welcome to the four magic skyway. And, and he, he doesn't get it. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. he's like, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> so there's some kind of take out there that exists. And who knows if I'll ever get to hear it. Walt just like cursing, but not like in a you know belligerent sort of like you know he's just like really frustrated and um, he's just venting out of frustration. So um, nobody I've speaks gotten, like gotten, this, Marty. <laughs> and I've gotten confirmation that it exists. So yeah, I think I think that just makes Walt even more charming personally, you know. Um, and two is I'll tell you something that one of my one of the most uh, prestigious. Disney historians in the world, I won't name any names, but um, he told me this story once, and I actually asked Walt's daughter about it, and she gave me like a little bit of a, not a full confirmation, but she, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So Walt was, everybody knows that Walt loved to walk the park, so it didn't matter if it was midnight, 4 a.m., he'd stay in the apartment overnight, and he'd get out, and he felt like walking the park, he'd walk the park. So people were just used to seeing him, you know, walking the park. Uh, there's this one story I was told that um, one day uh, there was a worker on Main Street doing something with the, the tracks or the, the curb or whatever, and he looks up and he sees, and I guess he wasn't used to seeing Walt around that park just yet, and Walt was sort of like, you know, just sauntering down in like, his, I guess in his robe, and the guy looked up, he's like, what's, what's happening? Um, and he sees this guy in a robe approaching him, and as he gets closer, he realizes, oh, it's Walt. And then Walt looks down to him and he, and, you know, he asks him what he's, what he's doing and he tells him. And then Walt's like, okay. And then he's right outside of the, the Sunkist uh, shop and he's like, he goes, hey, do you want some, uh, do you want some uh, fresh squeezed orange juice? And he pulls it, he goes to his robe and he pulls out like the set of keys and he, he, he jings them. He goes, he goes, I got the keys to the place. And um, <laughs> I thought that was just the coolest story, right? Like Walt just being Walt, like being playful, but also generous and, um, I asked Diane if she could confirm if that ever happened. And, you know, she's not going to know every single teeny tiny story about what her, Walt, what her dad did. But I just said, Diane, have you ever heard that? Like, did, did, did your dad ever do that? And she says, no, I never heard that specific story. But that totally sounds like dad. That's so, that's, and I was like, yeah, that's good enough for me. So that was really cool. He was always doing that kind of stuff, you know, just blows my mind how he was just so accessible, you know, and you hear, you, you may have to, you know, obviously I'll take it from me. Like you hear these people who work with Walt, um, and whenever you watch these documentaries, like either the Imagineering story or, or like, you know, the Richard and, and Robert Sherman documentary, whenever you hear these Imagineers talking about when they worked with Walt and then Walt passes and then afterwards, they all have the same exact thing to say. They say it wasn't the same. Yeah. 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 So he was just that, I mean, they were going to build a freaking city. And after Walt passed away, after one human being out of this company of who knows how many hundreds or thousands it was, they also said, we can't do it without this one guy. Wow. Uh, so it's, yeah, that's just how, you know, 
was. And so I, I love that kind of stuff. When I, I love to hear that, you know, like those personal human humanizing stories about Walt. Yeah. Well, uh, one quick question. Um, so when you, you know, I, you're talking a lot about all this uh, information and, you know, it makes me think, you, you know, you said you were talking or you were right. You were writing a bunch of articles for, uh, the Walt Disney Family Museum, you know, it makes me wonder, what are you doing now? What are you working on now? Um, are you writing a book? Like, is it like, there's a lot of information to be told. So, I mean, what are, what are you working on now? Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't written uh, for the museum in about a year. I, I, I got hit with a pretty big case of, um, I don't know what the word for it. It, it was not writer's block per se, but it was just like, once COVID happened and the shutdown happened and everything, I thought that I was like, oh, I'll be home all the time. I can get a lot of writing done. But once I started working from home and I was in like, you know, the, the corner of my, my condo with my, you know, all day at a desk and I'd get up and, you know, sometimes I go to the gym or whatever. I just really didn't, it was a different feeling than going to work and, and sort of coming home to relax, to write. And all of a sudden was, and I tried my best to keep my workstation in my living room and my personal station in my bedroom. But still, I just sort of got hit with a big, like, you know, like, I just didn't write for a while. Yeah. So, um, months, months. Uh, so, yeah, see, the last article I wrote for the museum was probably last spring, spring of 2020, right when COVID actually. Uh, but that being said, like, towards the end of the year, I got off my butt and I was like, okay, it's time to start writing again. So, I am going to write another piece for the museum pretty soon. Uh, but to answer your question, I also am working on a book. Um, and it is, I don't, I don't want to, you know, want to be, be surprised, but it, it is a coffee table book that's basically parts, you know, cool photos, but part Disney history. And there is going to be uh, some Imagineer contribution to it. Uh, so, yeah, I hope to be done with the first draft by the end of this year. So once I'm done and it's like, you know, the first draft is done, then I'll certainly let you know and, uh, you know, I'll give you the, the, the deets. I'm excited. I am very excited. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I have like a super excited coffee table books here. So I'll buy it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, I did a little bit of research about some of the Disney coffee table books and the ones put out directly by Disney are are cool, but some of them are longer on the photos and shorter on the info. And then I've seen some, uh, fan driven ones and I'm not going to name any names, but I I saw one that where most of the information was taken from Wikipedia. And I was just appalled as a Disney story. I'm like, Oh my God. So, um, this is basically half Disney history and half picture. So it's like, it's going to be a good combination of both. And I'm a terrible photographer, so I'm not supplying the the photographs. So don't worry about that. I'm doing all the (laughs) professional photography, but also, you know, some decent writing in it as well. Okay. I can't wait. Matthew said he would write the foreword for you if you if you needed somebody. <laughs> you said you said the for the foreword or four words. I I, I, I can't I can't, yeah, I can't guarantee be, anything. I, I don't <laughs> tell you what Matthew would do. Read this book now. <laughs> no, I, I'll be I'll be a little bit more good. polite. Read this book, please. There you go. There you go. Could you have a better forward? I think I think not. Okay, um I say let's talk a little bit about um some parks. Okay, so I mean I guess you would consider obviously Disneyland your your home park. Um you know, I, I mean I, that's always going to be I think the most special one just because I mean it really was Walt's baby 
Um, and it came to real, I mean, when it comes to that, like, I mean, it just, I can't imagine dreaming that up and then seeing it come to life. And then like, I would love to see his face today knowing that like what this, I mean, I don't mean on this, I know this can be an ugly word, but what this empire, this juggernaut has become and you know what it means to people. But, um, transitioning from parks, like obviously another big part of Walt was, um, storytelling, like, you know, in cinema. So what, what are some of your favorite classic films, classic animated stories? Do you have any that like are like, it's something like, Oh gosh, yes. I have to watch this every year. Like what are some of your favorite films, uh, from the early days of Walt stuff? So most of my favorites are of course, the Walt era films. Uh, I do love some of the new films, uh, obviously, but uh, when you ask me with my favorite Disney film, it's Pinocchio. Uh, I think Pinocchio is the greatest animated film of all time. Uh, I'm still sticking by that. Um, it's incomprehensibly gorgeously animated. Just, I mean, I can go on about just, you know, that movie. So yeah, Pinocchio is number one. And I love, you know, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Lady Tramp, um, Three Caballeros, Alice in Wonderland. So a lot of the old ones. Uh, I like some of the new ones too. I love Tangled, and I love uh, obviously the 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 Rebirth, you know, with um, Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and Beast and Lion yeah. King. But um, yeah, no, I, I love the classics. Pinocchio's number one, and uh, I didn't watch a, the, a whole lot of the um, live action films. I'll be honest with you, I've seen a few of them. Uh, like the ma- the major ones, uh, like Twenty Thousand Leagues and stuff. Obviously, Mary Poppins is, is high up there, but a lot of the random sort of like you know one off uh, animated art. I'm sorry, live action films. I just flat out haven't seen. I've watched a couple of them and they just I couldn't get into them, you know. Um, and I would just I made the decision then. I was like, you know what? If, I, if you're not feeling it, it's like I'm not going to be one of those people that pretends to like everything just because it's Disney or just because Walt mm-hmm. had a hand in it. Like, if I'm not digging it, I'll just pass and uh yeah there's a few of the old live action films that i just it's just a different era like the humor is different and like yeah. what what passes entertainment that i mean and but it's not just disney it's like i watched uh, citizen kane and i fell asleep I, you know i was a god so and people uh, rave about that film right that's yeah that's like that's supposed to be the number one film of all time so it's like no so some of the old live action films i just can't get into uh, but yeah, the old animated films are all such classics. They're so, so gorgeous. So, um, yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I would fight, I would fight over people who don't like Mary Poppins. I mean, I, I, I personally think that's the best work that they've ever done, um, for, for countless reasons. I mean, I could go on and I mean, like, could there have been a better cast? Nope. Um, how, you know, it was the first time that like majorly that they interacted with animation and live action on screen. Like there's not a song from that film that you hear three bars or three notes or sing three words that people won't automatically know that's from Mary Poppins. I mean, I just think I grew up. That was, we watched that. I wore that VHS tape out. (laughs) And, and I mean, I just, I, 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 I can't imagine what that must have been like, like dreaming that up, creating it, being on set, like make, you know, and then 
how, you know, that was the first time that, you know, actors had to, okay, all right, now the penguins are going to be right here. You're interacting with, I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like doing that for the first time. Like, uh, I mean, I know, of course, with, you know, the Alice shorts early on, but this was like major cinema, something that everybody in the world was going to go, you know, and I mean, it, it debuted and, you know, you have the big, you know, Grandma's Chinese Theater, where it, you know, premiered. And but wait, did it premiere there? Or did it premiere at across the street? No, it premiered at Grandma's. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I, like that's not that anyone asked or cares, but that was my little rant. About well, don't, don't forget about uh, Song of the South. That that was like twenty years before they did live action animation too. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. There. But yeah. I mean. It, obviously wasn't on the same scale so I'll, I'll, I'll certainly you know speak to that because yeah they did it he did it first with the alice comedies back in the 20s and then song of the south in the 40s but yeah i think it, with mary poppins it was like i mean they were like in and these entire sets and um it just yeah i i feel you're, you're right like mary poppins is almost like the mystic manner of film right like it, it every cylinder fires uh and i never get tired of watching that film and and one of the reasons why we had we were talking about clubhouse earlier Young Dave, uh, we had a, a talk about um, uh, controversial newer films like the film Tomorrowland, how it has like you know a small following, but a lot of Disney fans didn't like it. And then right. Mary Poppins Returns, that's a small following. But, and we had some passionate defenders come on and talk about it, and they're like, "What do you think?" I was like, "I hated it." Like I was just like, <laughs> "I think it does nothing to um, you know." Uh, you know, Walt was a big fan of saying the word plus, like plusing something. I don't think it yep. pluses Mary Poppins' legs at all. I think it was just a strict money money grab. And uh, it's it's impossible. Some things are just impossible to recapture. And Mary Poppins yeah. is, is that. Like, not gonna, I mean, they, the closest they came in that film, ironically enough, was the, the scene with Dig Man Knight for obvious yeah. reasons, right? So, right. Um, no, I, I think Mary Poppins is... is pretty close to a perfect film i agree with you yeah 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 and you met you mentioned song of the south and these guys know but my favorite attraction and obviously i've only been to disney world but my favorite attraction is uh splash mountain so back when i lived in maryland uh people would say hey if you could fly to disney world why ride one ride and then fly home what would it be my answer is always splash mountain uh it will always be splash mountain so i was just kind of wondering what your take was on the retheming of of this attraction yeah here we go nitty-gritty i like it do you think it should stay where it is or how do you feel about the princess and the frog love princess and the frog love the music uh i love the fact that uh uh is getting some representation um i i might not have thought to retheme splash initially if i were there but now that you know they've done it. It does make sense because for, it's it's been pretty controversial for the longest time. But obviously in today's you know day and age, like everybody's significantly more sensitive, and, and every single person has a bullhorn now thanks to social media. So Disney hears it a lot more than they used to. Um, and obviously, you know when you have the CEO of the company saying this film is never going to be released ever, there's obviously some problems with it, right? So um, I. Don't mind. I remember when they first made the announcement, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally okay with this. I understand that people get upset when they lose something they love. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. People loved Alien Encounter and they put in Stitch, which was maybe one of the worst rides that Disney's ever done. Um, you know, like uh, 
I'm trying to think of something else recently. Things close all the time, so that's not a huge deal for me. Um, I think it's going to be harder if you're going to go with the theme. It's going to be harder to justify in Florida because in Anaheim, you can just as easily annex that mountain into New Orleans Square because yes. Splash Mountain is going to be right next to yeah. Haunted Mansion. And that makes perfect sense. Hey, New Orleans Square, or even just say goodbye to Critter Country, make the whole thing New Orleans Square, and just, you know, we. I remember saying this also in, in another clubhouse, or maybe it's another podcast, but people are like, they didn't want to lose poo. I'm like, why wouldn't you want, who cares about winning the poo? Like, it's that's <laughs> probably the worst dark ride of the park. I know people lose poo, sorry, everybody, but it just makes sense, because, I mean, you could, you could do so much if you were to make Critter Country a part of New Orleans Square, and you have the Princess of the Frog ride, you can either turn the Bear Country area into Tiana's place and have it a nice, you know, big uh, uh, theme restaurant, or you can make the, the back row where like Pooh's Corner is and all that stuff. You can make that a restaurant. You just have all these. It opens up all these new possibilities. So um, I'm fine with it in Anaheim. In Florida, though, I think the their Splash Mountain is in Frontierland, right? So that's right. going to be like yeah. having yeah. a southern sort of, you know, yeah. based bayou attraction in the the Western frontier. So. Yes. yes, we have that debate all the time on our yes. show. Uh, you know, there's nothing frontiery about down home South Louisiana. So yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard to fit it in that area. I'll tell you one thing. As a Californian, we know that Disney has more or less thrown in the towel on committing to theming because all you have to do right now is go to Disney's California Adventure. Oh. You're going to see The Little Mermaid. Was that set in California? Uh, Monsters Inc. is Monstropolis set in California. Like all these things, uh, they changed Soaring Out Over California to Soaring Over the World. Um, all these different attractions, you know, the we lost Tower of Terror and now we have the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which I think is in space. I don't know if. If it's secretly somewhere down in, like, you know, maybe it's in the East Bay, maybe it's in Oakland, who knows? <laughs> so all these things, they Disney at some point, they're just like, all right, you know, we 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 they just throw it in the towel basically. So it makes sense, you know. I can't. It's funny too because I should think about that. I should, I should, you know, write an article about like when they first started throwing a towel. It might have been some of the stuff with DCA because DCA was. Oh. The that most theming a park after California Adventure was the most short-sighted decision maybe they've ever made, right? Because you had this whole resort plan with Westcott, it was a three billion dollar project, and all of a sudden, okay, we can't do it. Like you know, they were having problems with locals. Euro Disneyland was losing them all this money. They just realized it was getting scaled down, down, down. So what happens? Eisner says, okay, I'm going to send my executives to a retreat for the weekend in Colorado. We'll think of something. They go there. Uh, hey. People come to Disneyland, but then they go to San Francisco. Then they go to San Diego. Why don't we make all that stuff in one park? Brilliant. Let's do it. Well. That, <laughs> no foresight. No, it was basically just a Band-Aid over saving all of the work that they had been putting, you know, like the city of Anaheim through over the past yeah. few years, you know, trying to get like this, you know, this additional park added. And so, yeah, and, and we, they paid the price, you know, back in 2012, I think they spent like 1.3, 1.5 billion yeah. just fixing DCA. I mean, not enhancing it person well, enhance it of course but it really was a fixing because yeah. that park was just dying and now it's 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 a, it's a viable park but yeah i mean it I, I, we talked about this young dave didn't i steal your your uh your name because i said i wanted them just to recall it disney's instead of disney california adventure just disney's adventure park or yeah. Disney's <laughs> right. yeah when i was saying that about hollywood they just needed to yeah. hollywood to hollywood adventure yeah yeah 
Yeah. I think Disney's adventure would make more sense. Like you just got to drop California. Like it, there's nothing. Ca- well, I mean, I, the, I guess the, uh, what's the water ride there? Like every time we go, it's closed because we always go in February. Oh, the Grizzly uh, River Rides. The Grizzly River Rides. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's the only California E thing that's there. Still. Yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah, the, 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 the Hollywood backlot is still technically on land, and there's some facades there that, you know, harken yeah. back to the days of Hollywood. But yeah, attraction wise, yeah, there's no more California screaming. There's no more sword over California. You know, the Tower of Terror was supposed to be the Hollywood Tower of Terror. So, um, yeah. Superstar Limo is now Monsters Inc. Superstar Limo. I don't want to. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna bring it up. I was like, wait, come on. That's got to have been the worst ride they ever made. It's got to be. It is. It is. <laughs> if you have I mean, like a scale, you know, or, or like a, a like a volume meter where like you know zero is the lowest and ten is the highest. Here's Mystic Manor, and here's Superstar Limo. It's like. <laughs> They're opposite ends. Oh, They're polar opposites. They are the North Pole and the South Pole of Disney attractions. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, um, so let's go. Ba- let's go back to Walt Disney World because I-, I do want to talk about that. So, shameless plug here, but on our, I think is it was it our most reimagineer episode where we did Tom Sawyer's Island? It was right. Yeah, that was, that was the most week. recent. Yeah. Okay, so we we did. That's what we we just we decided to reimagineer like Tom Sawyer's Island. So one of the things that that Matthew said is he would take um, he he would take Big Thunder Mountain and put it on that island, like similar to like kind of what Paris has done. And then, so what 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 did you say that you would put in the place of Big Thunder Mountain, Matthew? New Orleans Square. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then, and so we were texting back and forth. It was either today or yesterday. And I said, he missed an opportunity. What you have to, I said, what he should have done is taken the boat. And so, cause obviously the Liberty Bell is not going to go around anymore, but they should leave it. They should pull it over right in front of the rethemed splash mountain and make that like a dining experience. That's always docked there called Tiana's place. And that would tie it together even more. Hey Dave, but, like, Dave, the reason I, I didn't build a bridge was so the boat could still move. <laughs> well, how are you going to get that? What are they going to do? Go underwater? <laughs> the big thunder mountain. Yeah. That's what it does in Paris. Is that what it does? Okay. All right. Yep. Well, okay. <laughs> it does. It goes underwater. You, you were there. I know. I don't. Why well, didn't remember going under the water? There's, there's, <laughs> well, I mean, you don't see it. It's not like a clear tube. But it... <laughs> hey, Brandon, they feed them really well. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Keith, man, well, thanks so much for this. This has been absolutely amazing. Can where can people find you and see what you're doing now? I mean, I know you're obviously writing a book, but like wh- where where can people find you online? What are you working on outside of the outside of the book when it comes to to Disney? So I do well did uh, before COVID. Um, I would do in person Disney fan events. Uh, so I would you know get uh, an Imagineer. They would be the, the special guest. I would write some sort of Disney presentation. I would be the, the opening act, and then the special guest Imagineer would do their presentation. They'd be the, the headliner. Uh, I did a few in San Francisco. I did one in, in Orlando, um, and I wanted, I had been wanting to do one again because the last time I did one was late 17, and, and I, I was like, by the time 2020 rolled around, I was like, yeah, it's time to do another one. And then, you know, something happened. Some small little thing happened. So <laughs> um, I want to do one again, uh, and so, but obviously this year's a wash, but, um, maybe next year. So I might be working on that. 
uh, it's just right now an idea in my head. So aside from the book, I'm certainly going to be looking into doing another uh, Disney fan event, and it'll probably be in Orlando again. Yes, I was going to say, you, you, have go. three, you have three there things you for go. Orlando right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I love doing them in the Bay Area, but um, Orlando gives it a little bit of an extra element, and it gives it a little more incentive for people who they want to travel to it, you know. Um, so I'm thinking of, yeah, maybe sometime in 2022. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I'll just be working on the book and, um, I will be right, doing another article for the museum this year. Uh, at least another one, maybe two. It's just, again, I'm trying to focus on finishing the book. So that's taking up most of my time. So if, you know, if people want to like see my random stuff, I'm, I'm at Disney project on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not super active, but I do. One thing I do on the regular is uh, every Sunday evening, I do a show on Instagram called the Disney History Minute, where I take requested topics and I just do Disney history for that like minute or two. So somebody could request the history of Splash Mountain, somebody could request the history of Mystic Manor, whatever it may be. Um, I've done that, gosh, since 2018 now. I think I'm up to like 150, 152 episodes. So... Um, yeah, every Sunday night on my Instagram stories, if you want to see a, a quick little tidbit about Disney history, just tune in. That's awesome. I did not know nice. that. I will hey, definitely check that out. How can we turn that into 20-minute shows? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're surprisingly time-consuming because... Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, like, you need more than 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Yeah. The, these little one- to two-minute shows take me, like, two to three hours because I have to write it. I, I research it. I write it. I, re, I record it and I'm terrible on camera. So I'm holding the phone and I'm, my, I'm tripping over my words. So I have to keep re-recording it. And so, yeah, I'm probably gonna wrap it up, that up sometime this year as well. Cause again, I want to focus on the book, but um, for now I'm still doing them and they're really fun because I get, I get to get a lot of feedback and a lot of uh, interaction from people who like Disney history. So um, it's good because, you know, I don't make a dime off any of this and that's not the intention. It's basically just, I really love, you know, Walt's story and, and Diane was a very special person to me. And she told me something I've said it before. I'm not going to repeat it, unfortunately, but she said some really nice words to me once. And I just sort of said at that moment, you know what, like she basically validated my Disney nerd existence. And I was like, as long as I'm alive and have some energy, I'm going to try my best to promote Walt's life and legacy because he's like, look how much he's done for us. Right. So it's at least yeah. we can. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Awesome. Thanks, man. At Disney Project, every Sunday night at what time? Or is it because it's oh, is it live? It's not live. But it's it's. Okay. Um, I I might do a couple of live ones though, just just to mix it up. But yeah, it's just every Sunday evening. And honestly, whenever I get home, it could be like six p.m. It could be ten p.m. So <laughs> yeah, just just check my stories. Uh, they'll be there. And if you don't want to wait, just Monday morning they'll be there. So um, yeah, love it, man. Awesome. It was an honor honor having you on thanks so much for your time I, I know that um time is what we've got right now man where it's it, life's so crazy I, I i'm glad things are starting to get back to normal i hope you're feeling that over there in california as things are a little bit slower to get to get back going but man I, we really appreciate the time it means a lot to me also like if anybody's listening loves clubhouse keith is on there and he is in some he's in almost every disney room that i pop into and and then there's even a couple that you're leading uh talk a little you know talk a little bit about what you're doing on clubhouse too so clubhouse was a trip to me because when it came out uh it was, at least when i was able to get access to it a few months ago it's been out obviously i think for a year now but 
Um, I got invited finally, and I got in. And um, when I first joined, there there weren't a whole. I mean, there were some Disney rooms, but there weren't a whole lot. And um, I mean, doing what we're doing now is. I mean, you guys are the same as me. Like, it's just so much fun to talk about Disney uh, because I'm old enough to remember when there was no such thing as the internet. And I was the weird kid at school who didn't live anywhere near Disney, <laughs> but still loved it. So once, once the internet happened and we had like these things called message boards, um, I was like, wait a second, there are people who don't live in Anaheim or, or Orlando who like Disney too. Like I'm not alone and holy cow, there's other people in the Bay area who like Disney too. So it was, you know, it's such a bizarre feeling. And you get that in real time in Clubhouse because honestly, you know, you just start up a Disney room and a bunch of people come on. And I think a lot of people have been doing a good job of being pretty respectful. And like, you know, everybody has like, you know, contrasting opinions. But especially when you get into the debates like we had with the the, the Mary Poppins thing, like I was right. and that you preface it with like, you know, hey, this is just my opinion. I, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't like this movie. I'm saying this is why I don't like it. You know, so everybody's, you know been pretty respectful about it. So it's just another excuse. And I work from home and uh, I don't, if I'm not having a meeting with a, a fellow employee, I don't, my job is not customer facing. So if I'm not meeting with an employee, I'm just sitting there, I might have like CNN or something. So basically I'll troll Clubhouse and I'll look for a Disney room and I'll just have it on as you know, white noise when I'm working. Uh, and then if it's a really cool topic, obviously I'll jump in. I'll be like, yeah, I want to talk about this. So, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's a great outlet for, you know, I, I, I will say, though, that I'm really curious to see what happens to it going forward, because I feel yeah. like once the parks open again, it almost seems like it was people a good way for people to get their fix when the parks are closed. Right. And after the, everything starts to reopen and everything, I'm, I'll be curious. You'll probably see still occasional Disney stuff, but it won't, certainly won't be as often as it's been. It, it's even yeah. kind of winding up a little bit now, right? People are just sort of running out of topics. Even me and Daniel, we're not doing one this week because Daniel's uh, he's away, but Last week we did like a, a like a generic sort of like uh, just Disney versus like Disney World versus Disneyland and Disneyland Paris versus Disney. we just were we were running out of topics so um, I think that's you know Disney Clubhouse is gonna go on but it's gonna have to evolve right so I'm curious to right. see what the next phase is I have something planned that I'm not gonna tell you but uh, I'll tell you I mean I'll tell you off the show because I wanted to be a surprise but I am gonna do one cool thing on Clubhouse probably in about a month or so that nice. is yet. So nice. I'll, I'll keep you in the loop, but it's not going to be a regular thing because it's going to be a lot of work. And again, it's not going to be for any money. It's just going to be a really cool thing to do for fellow Disneyers, basically. I love it. Love yeah, because you, you do do a weekly, you do do, you also <laughs> do a weekly show called, is it Disney Past and Present? Not show, but you have a room, is that Every what we room. call it? Every week, yeah. We, the club is called Disney Past and Present, and I wanted to do that because for the most part on Clubhouse, the people who did Disney stuff, it was usually like, you know, what's the best food? What's the best snack? What, what, how do you navigate during a pandemic? And there wasn't a lot of people who were talking about Disney history. And I was like, well, boom, that's my niche. I'm jumping in. So that's why I called the club that because I wanted to be able to talk about history. And sure enough, we've had a few Disney history rooms so far. So, um, uh, and the thing that I'm going to do that I told you about the cool thing is going to be very strongly tied to Disney history. So, um, Oh, it's not as, they're not as popular as the other rooms because people just like to talk about their favorite cookie and everything. They don't want to hear necessarily about like, you know, <laughs> waltz and everything. But That's so true. Yeah, I mean we're a me 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 culture. But I mean I f I feel like you're right. Like I mean, like when I think about Clubhouse, I think it officially like 
was out of the gate in April of 2020, right? I, I think I could be completely wrong, but I feel like when you, when you think about clubhouse and you think about what happened in the world, like it's almost like that couldn't have launched at a better time. And now that not even just, you take Disney out of the equation, but you, you, when the world starts to get back to normal, I just wonder if clubhouse as a whole will continue to just, like, I mean, I hate to use the word, but decline because I mean, people's like, they're going to be out and about life's getting back to like being, people are more active and people aren't at home as much. And so, or if, you know, people that have been working remotely, like if their company is calling them back in, you know, th things will start to change people's availability. You know, like, it's not like you can always have that on as background noise at the office. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you had a, a headphone in or something, but I like, I almost feel like I mean, that was just destined to land when it did and it's going to like serve its purpose, you know, and what a great filler. I mean, I hate that for them as a company, it just like falls apart, but it yeah. was a great, I mean, it did land at a, at the perfect time. I mean, I wish I would have found it much, much earlier, but yeah. So anyway, yeah. Check Keith out on, um, clubhouse. He's at Disney project. Um, Keith again, uh, meant the world, man. I'm so glad we were able to connect on clubhouse and, and thanks for agreeing to, come on our show and spend some time just sharing about some of your experience and your passion for Disney. Well, I appreciate you having me and it was nice to meet you guys. Yes, you too. Thanks well, for hanging out with these three yahoos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better name for the show. Why is it called these three yahoos? That's oh, right. done. Well, that guy was a wealth of information. I was, I, I didn't have very much to say cause I just loved listening to him. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So much I agree, man. And, Anytime somebody tells Disney stories, I just sit like, and a uh, kid in a candy store. Exactly. Uh, good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, Brandon, where can the people find us on the interwebs? Well, I am super glad you asked, Matthew. The people can find us on Facebook and Instagram at another Disney podcast. They can find us on Twitter at another Diz podcast uh you can look us up on our website another disneypodcast.com you'll find a link to all of our shows uh all of our experiences remember we have uh reimagineer it we have experience disney you can find all of those right there on uh our website and then you can also find us on uh youtube.com forward slash another disney podcast if you check us out on youtube and you like what you see make sure you hit the like button uh and tell your friends about us Yes. For sure. Subscribe. Is that all the YouTubers say? Hit the like button and subscribe. That's right. <laughs> Don't know what that accent came from. Yeah. <laughs> Fellas, this was great. Um, uh, like, I, I'm so glad we were able to connect with Keith. Loved yeah. every second of it. I, I mean, I could have listened to him talk for hours. Great, like, humble guy. Um, loves Disney. Had, had some pretty incredible conversations with some pretty big yeah. names. So yeah. it was cool to hear some of those stories. All right, fellas. Until next right. time. Till next week. See you later. Peace. Bicycle.